We want to end this year with just a, just a world, real word of encouragement. It's great to see everyone this morning and the faces here that God has brought and people that you know, we love so much. And this has been an amazing year, hasn't it? Hasn't this been an amazing year? Uh, I, I've sat down and I was just kind of writing the weekly email out to everyone on the team, and I was just kind of going over everything that I mean, everything that's happened this year. It's been incredible, hasn't it? I mean, a year ago, December thirty-first, a year ago. Uh, if you just think about for a second what God has done this year, it's just amazing, isn't it? It's just really incredible. And when we look at what God has done, we can really say that this is the work of the Lord, isn't it? That it's marvelous, it's the work of the Lord, and it's marvelous, isn't it? And when we think about all that's happened, I was just writing down a few things in my quiet time in one, in one morning. I was just writing down all the things that had happened. We had a hurricane. <laughs> You guys remember that? <laughs> we had our hurricane, and people lost their homes. They've lost belongings. They've lost, they've actually had, because of the hurricane, they've had some, some brand new, um, some brand new um, family situations. And Wes, are we recording this on Facebook? Okay. And, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's just set it up. People have lost homes. They've lost beginnings. They've actually come into some new family difficulties. Thank you, Wes. And uh, we had a snowstorm. Well, I don't know how much of a snowstorm it was. I wasn't here. Every time we leave, something happens here. So no more travels for me, right? Uh, was it a storm here? Would you guys consider it a storm, or was it just some snowfall? Snowfall, okay. So we had snowfall, had some snow for... Um, for a couple hours, uh, we've seen God do some. We've got. We've seen God bring in some new faces, some new people. We see God's moving people on into some incredible new adventures of faith. And this is really the church, isn't it? It's always in motion. Our life is always in motion, but God never changes. God is stable, and we can trust Him because He doesn't change. Isn't that awesome? And. I was watching the news the other day, and, and uh, I don't know if you've seen on the news uh, just the incredible amount of discussion about fear. Have you heard that? Fear of terrorism, fear of this, fear of that, fear of an economic crash, fear of politics, fear of what's going to happen in our homes or what's going to happen in our personal life. But you know what I want to tell you something? I wanted to tell you a, quick, a few quick things here this morning is that when we look back at 20, 2017, we can say, I can say this one thing, God is faithful, amen? Faithful is he, amen? God is faithful. When we are not faithful, when we are faithless, God is full of faith, God is faithful. And his faith is not in us, his faith is in his son, the completed work of Jesus Christ that we just heard this morning sung about. God is faithful. And when we, another thing I wanted to say this morning is that when we look at the new year, God wants us to look at it fully confident, fully confident and very bold in God. Amen? 
God wants us to approach this year fully confident and bold in who God is. And then the next thing is, is that when we look at the verses that, that Michael read this morning, we can see that the new church that was just starting off was facing a lot of hardship. And so it was very interesting if you read through those scriptures that the prayer was that they were saying that God, there are so many signs and wonders happening here. People are getting healed. Things are happening. God is moving. And by the way, miracles, when they happen, may seem to be big, but maybe seem to be small for some people. But miracles, the greatest miracles, are many times the small ones that we've been waiting for God to answer. And we're, the, the, the apostles are saying, look, God is moving. The signs and wonders are happening. And yet there are these threatenings and this pressure that the apostles and the first church is feeling from the government. You know, I don't know about you teens, but do you guys ever feel pressure? Can you feel that? Like, do you guys feel that sometimes? Like, this pressure that's on you. You go to school, you walk into the building, and do you feel that pressure? Uh, I mean, when, you, when you're around friends or when, with, when you're with people, maybe you're going to a football game, you feel that pressure. I don't know. There is this pressure that this church felt, the first church, they felt it. And very much like so, like the first church, the Hebrews, as they were marching into, as they were preparing to march into the promised land that God had given them, also felt this pressure. What was the apostles' confidence in Joshua? When we read in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, the confidence that the apostles had in the first church is the same confidence that God wants you and I to have as we face the new year. This is Joshua 1, verse 9, and it says this, have I not commanded you? This is amazing. Sometimes we read that word command and we're like, oh, commands. Whoa, I'm a grace person. Stay away from the commands. No. God says here, I'm commanding you. What am I saying? I'm commanding you to be strong and courageous. Now, a lot of times we just stop right there in that verse. Be strong and courageous, okay? So I'm getting out of my seat in the morning. I'm like going to face my day. I'm going to be strong and courageous. I'm just going to run right at this situation. But we find out later on that we don't have our armor, that we're running into something that we're not prepared for, and before we even, before the, the battle begins, we're just fat, we're flat on our face. What is being said here in Joshua 1.9 is, is that if we read the second part of that, be not frightened, be not frightened, and do not, do not be dismayed. You know what that word dismayed means? Dismayed. If you look at that in the original language, it means to be shattered like glass. We were cleaning out this area here. We were, um, we're, actually, we're all done over there. Our teen room's all set up. The office is set up. We have a, by the way, the men's room is over there. Women's room is here. And we were removing some of the big glass that was along these walls. And me and a, I don't remember who it was, we were carrying this big sheet of glass. I think it was Neil. And we, we threw it into that we just kind of, we kind of leaned it on the top of the dumpster. And it was this massive piece of glass and it just slid and then just shattered inside of the, inside of the dumpster. I remember the sound of that shattering sound. There's nothing more shocking or sobering than the sound of, of broken, breaking glasses there. It's just like unbelievable. Like you're in the house, you're doing something, and, you, and in the other room you hear something. You hear someone shout or they're like, oh, no, and then you hear the smash of glass on the, on the floor. That's what, that's what this word dismayed means in the Hebrew. It means a shattering sound, a, a sense of like what was beautiful and reflective is now in pieces on the floor. And if you touch it, it actually can cut you. This is what, 
This is what God was saying to the Israelites. He was saying to the Hebrews, don't be shattered as a mirror. Don't, be, don't, don't lose your confidence. Don't throw in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. And such a verse for me, personally, as a pastor, as, we, as we're just starting things off here with this new church, Hebrews 10, verse 35. This is what the Holy Spirit speaks to me all the time. Don't be discouraged. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't, don't cast away your confidence. And I want you teens to hear this today. Don't throw your confidence away in God. Don't throw your confidence away in God. And I'm going to talk about that in a practical sense here first of, in, a, in a minute. Why is he saying this? Do not be dismayed. And I love that word for. For the Lord. Look at this with me. For the Lord your God. And I just want to take a pause here for a second. Your God. And if you're here this morning, and maybe you've gone to church, maybe you're part of a family that's, that are better believers, but you've never made a personal decision for Jesus Christ, I just want to say today's the day for you. Make that decision for Christ. Just say yes to Jesus. That's all you have to do. I remember a friend of mine, he was a, he's British, uh, just a very scientific guy, really, really smart guy. He was, worked in a laboratory, chemist, really a brilliant guy. And he said, I, never could, I could never come to the point to say, say the sinner's prayer. Because first of all, it sounded so simple to me, he said. It sounded seemed to be so unnecessary, like, what, why am I even saying those words? And he said, and he said I just it came down to this. He said, yes, Lord, I believe. I trust. And when he did that, Christ came into his life, and he began to notice the presence of God that wasn't there before. And he began to see that his life had a lot more coincidences, quote-unquote, in his life than, than had existed before. And he said, I almost didn't get saved because it was too simple. My dad said the same thing. My dad went to MIT in Massachusetts. He went to Northeastern. He's a very smart guy. He was in the nuclear business. He was in sales. Brilliant guy. I don't know what happened with the genetic <laughs> downline. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a pastor. And he said to me the same thing. He said, when he heard the gospel, he said, I, I almost didn't get saved because it was way too simple. It's just too simple. It wasn't, too, enough, it wasn't scientific enough. Because the flesh, our flesh, is always making everything way too complicated. We overthink. We, over, we, over, oh, we need to plan. But we overplan. We prejudge too fast. We, we try to figure it all out. And we're already 10 miles down the road. And God is like, hey, I didn't even speak yet. And so this is what we do, and it says, your God. I just want to say that this morning, your God. I want, I want to tell you this morning, if he's not your God, just say yes to him. And it could be just like during the service, just say yes to, okay, God, I'm saying my heart yes to you. I don't know what that means. I just sense that this is the word of God. I, I can see people's lives making major decisions in their life based on God. And so I want to make him my God. I want to believe on you today. I'm going to also give you an opportunity at the end of the service to pray that prayer and to receive Christ your God is wherever you go. Isn't that great? Wherever you go. We think of that word like, well, if I go to Amarillo or if I go up to Oklahoma, if I go somewhere else. You know what that means? It means that wherever you are in your minds today, wherever you're at in your fear or wherever you're at in your doubts, wherever you're at in, your, in, the, in the struggle with sin that, that seems to be so easily beset you. I mean, isn't, it, isn't that funny about sin? is that it so easily besets us. <laughs> Do you ever wonder, like, wow, you know, that, that so easily beset me. 
That's a big word, beset, a King James word, which means so easily overtakes you, or so easily accompanies you, or so easily cleaves to you. You ever wonder that? You know? And you say, okay, I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to just fight. And then, then the temptation comes, and it's like you just roll over. <laughs> it's just like, you know. And you're like, where was the fight? And here's the thing. God is with you wherever you go. And I just want to say that there's so many battles that, we've, that we try to fight that Jesus Christ has already won 2,000 years ago. And all we have to do is reckon on who we are in Christ and reckon on who we are in Jesus Christ and the finished work of who we are. And when we begin to, when temptation comes down the road, by the way, there's ways to avoid temptation by just making decisions that we're not going to be in certain places at certain times or in certain where we have certain resources available to us. And just think ahead. You know, the imagination, Pastor Love, the team leader back in Baltimore said this, and I'll never forget this was years ago. He said, the imagination of a man, and I, these are not his exact, exact words, but I, I love the principle. The imagination of a teenager, of a young person is like this. It's so wild. I mean, just, it could be all over the place. And by the way, adults have the same kind of imagination. And the imagination could be all over the place. Like, if I see that person, I'm just going to tell them off. I'm going to yell at them. I'm going to tell them what I think. Or the imagination just starts to race. And guess what? You know how we can, how we can head off sin and temptation at, 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 the, at the pass by using the same imagination that so easily overtakes us, using that imagination to imagine ourselves with God experiencing the victory that it's given us, imagining ourselves in a situation where we're experiencing God's faithfulness, imagining ourselves in the perfect will of God. I remember when I turned 31, I know it's a big number, but when I turned 31, I said, God, in 10 years, in 20 years, I want to be in your perfect will. I'm imagining myself in the perfect will of God. 20 years later, here I am in the perfect will of God. Isn't that amazing? Imagine yourself in the faithfulness of God because he's wherever you go. I just want to say, guys, like if you ever get discouraged, if you ever feel that discouragement coming on you, God's with you. God is with you. So let's just get into some practical stuff. In Acts chapter 4 here, we're reading, and just look, look, look at those words with me again. And when they had prayed, what had happened? The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. That word shaken is a very interesting verse. It means to shake in such a way that the very foundations of things are shaken. When we understand the presence of God in our life, everything begins to shake. It says in the book of Hebrews that that God spoke once and everything was shaken. The Mount Sinai was shaken. When God speaks, everything shakes. And that can be a good shaking or maybe an uncomfortable shaking. Sometimes God speaks and it can create an incredibly uncomfortable shaking in your life. And we want to avoid it. We're kind of like, well, I'm, I'm a creature that, that clings naturally to comfort. But we want to avoid that shaking. You know, that's why we have insurance programs. That's why we try to pre-plan everything. That's why we try to live a very predictable life. But when God speaks, a shaking can happen. And guess what happens When the shaking happens, we can see what happens here after the shaking. It says here that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. When the shaking happens, and when we look back at 2017, and the shaking has happened in your life, you remember the times that God filled you with His Holy Spirit? Those moments when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? 
when you sense, maybe you didn't feel this, feel this un- unbelievable thing, but you sense that I'm full of something else other than the situation. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They continued. They continued. They continued. And in 2017, there were times when I know, I know I felt this way. And there are times when you felt this way. I know it. Maybe I don't know the specific situation, but if you're a human being, you were faced with it. You were like, how can I continue in this situation? How can I continue? How can I continue? It says that that they prayed. God shook the place with his word. They were filled with the spirit. And guess what it says? They continued. This is why we can continue into 2018. Because of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? They continue to speak. Continue to speak. Guess what? The devil doesn't necessarily, he's not worried about, he's not really threatened about, so necessarily about the way we do things or, you know, maybe some of the, some of the, some of the, you know, like how awesome we do things or our plans or our programs. The devil's really worried about is when you continue to speak the word of grace. That's what the devil does not want you to do. In your school, I know that there's times, and I remember this too, there are times when you're with your friends and something comes up and you have an opportunity to say something. You just have an opportunity just to say something. I remember being in school, that opportunity came up and it felt like all the breath left my lungs and I couldn't speak because I knew it was at that moment I wanted to say something for Christ at that moment. When we trust God and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can continue and we can speak the word of grace. So just speak that word of grace, speak truth. And when we speak, God begins to create things in our life that didn't exist before. Just speak truth, speak faith, speak the word of grace. So here's a couple, here's a few practical things I want, I want us to get here this morning. What shook the place? What made that church, the first church, an amazingly powerful church? It was the presence of God. What was it that took the Hebrews <coughs> from the east side of the Jordan to the west side of the Jordan? And what took them across the Jordan and brought them into the promised land to conquer those enemies? I think all of us look at certain kinds of foes and enemies and threatening situations. We look at our, you know, we look at circumstances, maybe at school or in our family, and we say, that is really threatening. That's really scary. That is, that is a situation I'm not looking forward to addressing. Maybe we have a complicated um, family situation. Or maybe, maybe we're struggling with something. What brings us across, what brought the Hebrews across that Jordan into the promised land? It was the presence of God, wasn't it? It was a fire by night and a cloud by day. And it led... Two million Jews into a land that they had never ever been in before. Isn't that amazing? And God said to them, "You're going to live in you're going to live in homes that you didn't build, but somebody else built. And these are homes that they built for themselves, but they didn't realize that these were for the Jews, <laughs> and that they were moving in. And that, and God brought them into a prepared place. Isn't that amazing? And this is what God's going to do for us in 2018. He's going to bring us into places that we could never never have prepared for ourselves." But somebody else prepared in the sovereign plan of God, not realizing that this was the will of God for you and for us and for the family. Amen. That's a promise. I woke up this morning and I thought, you know, all week I've just been kind of struggling with, with like, okay, you know, this is one of the things that, that you know, that 
as a pastor and those that speak, uh, what am I going to speak about on Sunday? What am I going to speak about on Wednesday? You know, what is the, and we can't just get up and just throw some words out there, some information out there, because it, because it just doesn't, just doesn't work. And so last night I was, it was kind of a busy day and, and then I came home and I was really tired and I was working on some ideas until late. And I just, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to go to bed. I went to bed. I got up early this morning and then God really started speaking to me about this message. And one of the things I thought about this morning is what if God, and it was such a powerful thought for me at the time, what if God wanted to answer some very big prayers for us, for my wife and I this year? You know, we've been praying about adoption. You know, we're praying about God's will for a home for us, you know, because we're renting a small place. And I thought, these are really big things that my wife and I talk about. It may not be big for you, but these are just some big questions for us. And I, what if that happens this year? And that could actually happen. We could finish the year next year with a kid or kids and with a home. You know, I'm just speaking by faith to so see you guys know how to pray for us this year. What if that happens? You know, what if God did this for us? You know, I think, I think some of you, last uh, December, December 31st, had no idea you would be here. <laughs> you know? I mean, all of us. You know, I know Marcus and, and these people that we now know just never knew, okay, I'm here in this, in this work of God. God is with us. And you know what it is? It's a fire by day. And I like this. I'm sorry, a fire by night. I like this because think of this. During the day, when everything is bright and you can see everything very clearly, God is in a cloud. You can't really see God so clearly. And a cloud, you look at a cloud, and you're not really sure what you're looking at. It's kind of, it seems like it's moving. You ever look at a cloud in the sky, and it's kind of nebulous, and it's moving, and, and you kind of don't know the shape, and you're wondering what direction sometimes it's moving in. And it's a, very, the, a cloud itself is just very kind of abstract, isn't it? But that's how God appeared to the Israelites during the day. But at night, when everything seemed dark, when everything seemed to be... Uh, uh, just you can't see anything happening in your life. When the nighttime comes into the soul and into the situation, our situations of our life, and when the, when, the, when the Israelites were in the dark, how did God appear to them? Is it a cloud? No. He's, he appeared to them in a very clear, <coughs> warming fire that was light, that there was no, there was no question about where God was. And this is the way God led. This was the presence of God. During the day, the presence of God was something that had to be pursued by faith. And at night, when the nighttime, when it was dark and there was pain and there was betrayal and there was disappointment and there was failure and there was this and that and catastrophe, there's a burning fire. And that's the presence of God, that burning fire, that burning sense, that God's presence in our light. And it's light. It's light. And what is light? It's the word of God. God's presence here is so powerful. I love this. And I was reading this this morning, Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. Joshua 5, verse 1, it says this. And I think some of these verses are going to come up on the screen. But Joshua 5, 1, it says this, that, that when the inhabitants of the lands, when the Canaanites heard that the Lord of the Hebrews or the God of Israel had parted the, the Jordan, guess what happened? The inhabitants of the Canaanite of the of Canaan, they melted. You know something? When God works on your behalf, that's when the enemies, when the world, the flesh, and the devil, that's when it melts. When God parts that Red Sea, could they part the 
I'm part of the Jordan, I'm sorry. When, could they have parted the Jordan themselves? No, they could not have. But when God works according to his grace and his power in your life because he loves you and he's waiting to be gracious to you, when God moves, guess what happens? That causes fear in the enemy. I was thinking about a football game that I had watched this past year. And I remember at one moment during the game, I can't remember which game it was, that I just trying to remember what the game was, but I just it, it just it it hit me so clearly that at one moment the losing team somehow got a burst of confidence, and they were not like the better team in the game, and they had like this burst of confidence. You could see it on the sideline. You could see these guys, you know, just kind of encouraging each other. And they went out to the field, and they had they had kind of a simple play. It was like, you know, it was. They got the first down, and it looked really bad. They got their first down, and then they had a series of small yardage gains. And you could see the confidence starting to come back into the team. And the winning team, the team that was winning the game, somehow lost their confidence. They, got, they lost their nerve. They lo- they, and they obviously were a team that had better, that had better talent. They had more money. They, they were just a stronger team. And you could see the confidence of that winning team start to, they started to lose their confidence. And you could see, you could see the losing team, they could, you could see how they were observing the, the winning team's loss of confidence. And that fed their confidence, that fed their, 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 their um, strength, it fed them as they were like, okay, we're going to go for this. The other, and then the other team started making these mistakes they were just doing bad plays, and they knew they were doing bad plays, and the, the strategy was off, and they were just off their game, and they lost the game. Why? Because the other team understood what, the, what it meant to be confident. When, we're, when, we, when we understand what confidence is in Jesus Christ, we may not be the stronger-looking person, but when God's presence, when we understand God's presence in our lives, that God is with us, then that's when the heart of the enemy melts. Now, what does that mean practically that the presence of God. As a teenager, I always thought about, what is the presence of God? Is it some nebulous presence? Or, you know, what is it, some spirit? Or where is it? Or is it something I feel? Or what is the presence of God? Is it, you know, is it when people start shouting or clapping? Or is the presence of God when something strange is happening that I don't understand? The presence of God is very, can be very practically Experience and you know how that works. Turn with me to Second Peter chapter one verse four. Second Peter chapter one verse four. This is how, as a teenager, you can experience the presence of God. Okay. I hear teenagers, and I've experienced myself say, "I don't hear the voice of God. I don't see God. He's not answering my prayers." Sometimes we say that ourselves. Sometimes we say that to each other. Is God going to even answer our prayer? Does God even hear us? Like, where is God? Is He silent? And have I done something to make God upset? Or is God offended at me? Or Second Peter 1 verse 4 tells us the secret of, having, of experiencing the presence of God. I want to say that <clears throat> the presence of God is not, in a sense, mystical, where you see pagan spiritism happening. The presence of God is not some unknowable force like the wind. You ever... You ever look out your window and you can see the trees bending and you can't, the wind, you can't see the wind, but you can see the trees bending in the wind. The presence of God can be powerful. It can move in a great way, but it could also be, sometimes people can misunderstand the presence of God as something mystical. 
and not knowable. And like, what is the presence of God? Is this some, like when Jesus was being arrested and the, and the, 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 um, the, the guard came and, and the, the, Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin showed up and Judas had betrayed him. And they said, are you, are you Jesus of Nazareth? Are you Jesus? And he said, I am he. And they all fell backwards, you know, and there was like this, whoa, you know, like this amazing show of power. And I think that sometimes people can, can say, well, that's what we got to have in our church. And that's what we got to have in my personal life. Or I got to have like this unknowable, powerful experience. That is, not the, that is not primarily the presence of God. That, is, that can be mistaken as mysticism and spiritism, where spiritism is when someone is practicing a presence of something that they don't know. And that's what meditation, that's what these Eastern, uh, Eastern mysticism is, or these Buddhistic religions where people empty their minds and they fill it with something that they don't know. I met a guy yesterday on Outrage, over here on the, on the, in the neighborhood, we were just meeting people in the neighborhood, and a guy, he was from India, and he said to me, he said, well, I meditate. I said, what do you do with your problems? He said, well, I just meditate. And I said, well, what, what, do, you, what do you meditate about? And he goes, well, I just empty my mind. I said, well, when you empty your mind, what, what are you filling it with? He goes, nothing, just emptying my mind. I said, well, what, what happens if you have a crisis in your life? What, do you get any thoughts that come into your mind, or where does that all come from? And he goes, no, it's just somehow it all works out. It was very abstract. And I said, well, when, when I have a crisis in my life, I meditate. I meditate on the word of God. I meditate on, war, on, on, on promises. I want to get to that in a second. This is how we experience the presence of God. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. We are partakers of the divine nature. We are partakers of the presence of God. How? What does it say there? Someone see it? Through what? Just say it. Through what? To the what? Precious, Precious and exceeding promises. <clears throat> promises. Kids, if there's one thing that you walk away with this message, remember this. One, this one st- sentence. We experience the presence of God by trusting the promises. Okay? That's a tweetable sentence. <laughs> we experience the presence of God by trusting and walking in the promises. For example, here are the Israelites, they're, they cross the Jordan, they're walking into a, a land that they have never been to, that they have, that they have no plan about, they, are, they, have, you know, they have no skill in themselves to beat these incredibly large people, these giants in the land, and they walk in and they, and they say, we are walking in the presence of the promises of God. Jo- Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, this is how we enter 2018. This is how we enter 2018. We walk forward into with the promises of God saying that God is with me. And we begin, how many of you guys remember that, but way back in the day, this little gold booklet that said the promises of God. You guys remember that? Okay. My mom had that. I guess it's very old. And it was a little booklet. And the whole booklet was just promises on every topic and as a kid I really didn't do much reading I didn't even really read my bible very much but I would read that and I want to see if I can get copies of those and give them to people next Sunday if I can find it on on Amazon or somewhere the promises of God I would read these promises and when I couldn't hear the voice of God and when I couldn't feel his presence 
And what I had known that, okay, God, I, I'm not walking in any known sin. If there is sin in my life, show it to me. I'll confess it to you, and you'll be faithful and just to wash me from any un, 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 unrighteousness, and I'm going to walk in the light. But if I'm not hearing the voice of God, and if I'm not getting answers to my prayers, and I may not be experiencing the presence of God, then, then that's, when we, that's when we lean into the promises more. God's presence is not some nebulous thing, but it is the promises of God. And to practice the presence of God is not mystical, but it's when you and I begin to rest in the promises. You know, there's a beautiful promise here, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. And it says that we are in Christ. Right? And I love this promise because it says this, that, that if we're in Christ... This is how we approach every, every aspect in our life. We are not trying to fight for victory. And this is the, the Israelites were not trying to fight for victory, but they were fighting from the perspective of victory, that they were already victorious in God, that they were already called and that God had already given them the victory. I want to I close with this, is that fear is going to try to come into your life this year. There are going to be times... When you're going to try to, when when you're going to be tempted just to live in fear, and you're going to be tempted to think like, what if this doesn't happen? What I've taken so many steps in this direction for God. What happens if it doesn't work out? What if I'm standing by myself outside in the rain, embarrassed because I trusted God? I tell you that that day will never come because faithful is He who has called you, who will also do it. God will do it. Trust in the promises. And when we trust in the promises, we're partaking of his divine nature. And what, is, what does it say in that second part of Second Peter 1 verse 4? It says this, escaping the corruption that is in this world through what? Through lust. Guess what happens when we lose our confidence? When we throw our confidence away or when we start trusting in people or trusting in ourselves? we're going to be disappointed. We're going to get discouraged. But what's going to happen? We're going to, get, we're going to enter into a pattern of different kinds of lust that draws us into something that will corrupt and destroy. Why do we hate sin so much? Why do we hate sin so much? Like, why, why do we talk about it? Because you know what? It's destructive. It's destructive because you look out at people in the world making decisions that are sinful. What'll you are, it breaks our heart to see the decisions they're making because it just destroys their life. It destroys their life. That's why we hate sin. We hate sin because it's destructive and it's not the personal calling of what we've been called to be as a creature in a new creation made in Christ. Fear, fear will try to get in. And you know what fear is? It's just the absence of God's love. That's all it is. Fear is just the absence of God's love. When we are living in the absence of the presence of God, when we, when we know God is present, but when we're living in the absence in the absence of reckoning that God is with us, and when, we're, when we take our eyes off that fire by night and that cloud by day, what happens? Our eyes naturally drop, don't they? You ever talk to somebody, and they're kind of a discouraged person, and when you're talking to them, their eyes just drop? You ever notice that? They just drop like that. Or they can't look at you in the eye because they're discouraged, or they, they're shameful, or they just feel whatever, something's happening in their life, and their eyes drop. This is what happens is that when we cast away our confidence, 
And we forget that God is with us and that he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. Guess what happens? Our eyes drop. And what do they drop to? They're going to drop to the thing that's nearest to us. They're going to, they're going to become focused on, on things that are uh, the most urgent and the most pressing that are before us. And then our world becomes very small. Our prayers become very small. God, I pray for my toenail, you know, something like that. You know, it's kind of, you know, extreme version of it. But it's like, it's like our prayers become very small because our eyes drop. Because we took our eyes off of Jesus Christ. We took our eyes off of who we are in Jesus Christ and the finished work. We took our eyes off of our confidence in Christ. I just want to close with this verse in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56. Hey, this, this year, let me just give you some tips Let's just do this together. Number one, practice God's presence. Eat daily the promises of God. Number one, if you're taking notes, just four four or five points quickly here. Have a steady diet of the promises of God. Every day, don't leave your house until you've gotten a promise from God. Don't go to school until you've gotten a promise from God. It may mean that we wake up five minutes earlier or ten minutes or an hour earlier. Don't leave your home until you get a promise from God. Number two, find things that are on the earth that have taken your eyes off the promises and put them away. Just things that are distracting you. Maybe good things that are not even sinful, but things that are good. Those are the, those are the worst things sometimes because sometimes it's just the good. Maybe it's the good thing that's not the perfect will of God and that kind of takes our eyes away from who we are in Jesus Christ. Put them away. Just say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to redeem the time with something else. Respond to Christ and boldly consider. I just want to say this, 2018. Boldly consider, prayerfully consider entering into a relationship with someone that's a discipleship relationship. And I want to challenge us, every one of us in this room. Who is discipling you? Let me just ask you that question. Who is discipling you? Who is discipling you? We are either being, we are either being, either being discipled by the world or by the word of God. We're being discipled by somebody or we're, being, or we're in a soulish attachment with someone that's causing us to not enter into our calling. Who is discipling you? And I want to ask myself that question. Who is discipling you? What does discipleship mean? We talked about it Wednesday. It just means that we're following Christ and he's making us who we're supposed to be in the kingdom. Follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you a fishers of men. Just follow Christ. When we follow Christ, we're being discipled. Be discipled in 2018 and make a disciple. 1 Kings 8, verse 56. Let's just read this and we'll close. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people, Israel. This is after they had conquered the land. This is after that God had brought them into these places, miraculous battles, miraculous things that happened with him, with them. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people according to all that he promised. According to all that he promised. Were there some parts of the land that were still not conquered? Yes. But God gave them rest based on what? They're conquering or their promises or his promises. Rest comes in our life when we trust the promises. He brought, he brought them into rest according to all that he promised. Not one word, amen? Not one word has failed of all his good promise. Not one word has failed. I love that verse. Not one word has failed. There may be a period of waiting, but not one word has failed, which he spoke by Moses, his servant. And it said, the Lord... The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Then it says, may he not leave us nor forsake us. That's a little deceptive in in the translation, may the Lord not leave us. It kind of gives the impression that God may leave or he may not leave. 
But if we look at this in the original, if we look at it in the context of other verses, we can be assured that God will never leave us and he will never forsake us, that he will always be with us and he will walk with us until we meet Jesus Christ in the air on that final day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that we can be bold and we can be confident about 2018 that when you speak, sometimes you speak in a situation and everything shakes around us. Maybe we're starting 2018 in a very shaky situation in our home or in our personal life. Maybe there's shakiness happening in our, in our personal walk. Maybe we sense doubts. Maybe we sense unbelief. But God, we want to look to you and we just want to believe and understand and speak to ourselves the truth that the promises of God are in Christ, yea and amen. And we thank you that not one word has failed. Lord, not one word has failed. We think of that hymn, I believe was written by Martin Luther. A mighty fortress is our God. And one of the lines it says that one word shall fell him. And it means that one word will defeat the devil. And that word is Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. <clears throat> if you're here this morning, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you're here this morning and you do not know or you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, do that this morning. Just say yes to Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for you. He died for all of your sin, all of your confusion, all of your questions. He took upon himself the penalty that you and I were supposed to bear. Just say yes to God today and receive him as your personal Savior. And when you do that, he comes in and he changes everything. He makes everything new. And you'll notice his presence. And you'll notice the Spirit of God speaking to you. And if you don't sense the Spirit of God, maybe you're here this morning, you're a believer, you've made that decision for Christ. Maybe you don't hear the voice of God and you're disturbed by that. Or maybe we're disturbed by the lack of answers to prayer. Instead of looking at yourself, instead of looking at becoming self-occupied, do what the children of Israel did in the wilderness when they were being attacked and being bitten by snakes. Look to Christ. Look to him and say, God is with me and his promises will not fail. And be a partaker of the nature of Christ. Be the partaker of the nature of God. It's how we take an invisible God and we make him real in our life by trusting the promises. Well, we thank you, God, for your promises this morning towards us. We just want to take a moment, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you, just take a minute, think of one big thing that happened this year in 2017. Take a moment, think about it, and then thank the Lord for it. Just do that with me for a minute. we thank you for the trials we thank you for the blessings and maybe one of the things that we're thanking God for is just a big trial that happened in our life and we're thanking you God for that because we saw faithful as he who has called you who will also do it we thank you God for that we thank you that we can trust you and Lord we just pray God for this new year coming Lord we want to commit it to you Lord we want to we want to say this is your year. God, we want you to make our decisions for us. We want you to be calling the shots, not us. 
We want you to order our steps, not ourselves. We want to see you move like the, the, the apostles prayed, that you would move mightily and speedily on our behalf, Lord. God, we pray for family situations, Lord. We pray for businesses. God, we pray, Father, for uh, people's health. Pray for decisions that people need to make with Christ this year. We pray for our teens in this room today. We thank you, God, for this Teen Sunday. We thank you that you're present in your life and they can experience that presence by the promises. But we just thank you, God, and we praise you for this beautiful time together in Jesus' precious name. 